Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Romans Empire podcast for now. Um, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. Boys, we had our goal fest. I've been waiting forever uh, to record a podcast where we can talk about more than one or two goals. Obviously, this was a very much-needed performance. Here to join me, as always, we got Sam and Andres. Andres, I'll start off with you. Uh, how's it hanging in Houston? It's good, man. We had a... Uh... Some nice little warm weather, a little peak of what spring will look like. And uh, I just got to finish re-watching the Chelsea game right before this, so I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great about uh, what the team is looking like in this last little stretch of the Premier League. Yeah, um, for me, we were a week off on our prediction or a match off. Um, we thought that the Luton Town match would be our moment of redemption where we'd bounce back from that Liverpool loss, score four goals, keep a clean sheet. That obviously didn't happen. We still ended up with a win. But thankfully, Sean Dyke brought his team in and uh, they put up a stinker in the second half, allowed us put, allowed us to put up four goals up against them. So if you want to talk about a confidence booster, there it is. Um, plus... The addition of Reese James, whew, I'm feeling real good about the next couple of matches, guys. I missed um, him. I missed yeah, him a lot. Me too. I missed him a now, lot. Now, Sam, you're, you're talking about bad predictions. I In my parlay, I was two of three, man, oh. so I'm feeling good about my predictions. You were so Wait. close. So but the only close, thing you missed man. was Pulisic to score the first goal, right? Right. That was the big one. So I said Kai Brace, which I got. And I said over 70% position, which we did. Pulisic scored, but he scored the last goal, not the first goal. So. At least he got a goal. He deserved it. Oh, yeah. Very well-deserved goal. And what a goal that was, too. Absolute screamer. <laughs> yeah, a screamer from three yards out. Chicharito-style go goal. He just and bounced on his Bottom line. corner mm -hmm. with power. Absolutely nothing the keeper could have done. Uh, and the <laughs> best part is... I think last week the only player he really talked about on on Burnley was James Tarkowski, and he was the one who gave it up. <laughs> so credit to us. Um, we'll make sure to talk James a lot. James Tarkowski about... looked like uh, looked like Harry Maguire for a second on that play. Yeah. Oh, to, to be fair, Sam, you talked shit about uh, about Veghorst, and he was shit. So you yeah. got that right. Yeah, he was about... dirty though. He was dirty. Yeah. Man, he pissed he, me he the hell for Burnley off. Now. You're right. You're Burnley right. does the shit how special. And you know, you know what my favorite part about, or not my favorite part, but just the most ironic part about this match is, I'm like, oh, I forgot Ashley Barnes is, you know, still exists. And then the guy comes in and immediately just makes a fucking disgusting tackle. And I'm like, uh, some things never fucking change. This guy's <laughs> exactly the same. He's just a shit house, nobody striker. But anyways, so we gotta make sure to talk about Ozon Kabak in our uh, in our preview against Norwich, and he'll. He'll give up a easy goal to us as well. Um, <laughs> I don't know any other center backs from Norwich. That's the only one I know. So um, let's get into this uh, this Burnley Chelsea match. Four nil Chelsea victory. Uh, started off with a three four three. Looked like we we kept to that formation the whole match. 
uh, back three of Ch- Chalaba, Thiago Silva, and Rudiger. Then in the midfield, Reese James on the right, Saul as our left wing back, and then Jorginho and N'Golo Conte as the double pivot in the midfield. Um, and a front three of Christian Pulisic, Mason Mount, and Kai Havertz. Um, first half was very, very uneventful. Um, and it seemed like in the beginning, Burnley was actually the stronger side, which was very hard to watch uh, and very nerve-wracking. Um, they had a few good chances in the first 15 minutes. Thiago Silva had another goal line clearance that saved us per usual. Uh, and you know, the his third of the season, by the way, he leads the league in goal line clearances this season. Yeah, at 34, what is he? 36 years 37. old. 37. He saved three now. goals basically. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And according to Andreas, Jorginho uh, only passed to Kai Havertz one time. He counted. One time in the whole – was that the first half or the whole match? For, actually, first half and then in the whole match, yeah. I counted yeah. – every time Jorginho had the ball, I looked to make, to see. Because I've had this theory going now for a few matches that Jorginho doesn't pass it to the strikers. And that's why I don't want to see Jorginho with Lukaku since Lukaku doesn't really make those runs deep into midfield to, to check in. And it's not a Lukaku hate from Jorginho. He just hates forwards. That's right. Jorginho hates direct passing. That's all it is. When was the last time Jorginho assisted a striker? I can't remember. You're asking me too much now. He he almost he almost put uh, Saul through on it on a chance. Uh, That's the only forward pass I remember of him going directly into the box. And then the only other thing I noticed is that he only stepped into the opponent's box once. And it's when he took that shot. That's it. Did you even watch the game or you just watched Jorginho for 90 minutes? <laughs> how many steps did he take, Andres? Yeah. How many times did he how many times did he wipe his nose with his shirt? <laughs> I don't know, but for some reason, speaking of noses, the camera kept zooming in on Chalaba, and every time it did, he was like blowing snot out of his it's nose. I'm rocking. like, yo, quit zooming in on this kid. <laughs> So gross. Yeah, you're embarrassing him. <laughs> it's good uh, to see him back after his open leg surgery in the dressing room. Post-cup <laughs> final. Yeah, so the first half, just the build-up and attacking and possession was far too slow. But I don't know what Tuchel said at halftime because in the second half, immediately we started off hot with Reese James looking like he was possessed by Eden Hazard. Spun three defenders to eventually score a rocket of a goal. I mean, there was there was like, what, four or five defenders in between him and the goal, and he somehow was able to get it in. So nice to see him back. So with that goal, he also had an assist. He had 78 touches, 87% pass completion, five recoveries. Zach, I'll start off with you. Here's a Twitter question from Ron, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Cool, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Deluxe, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Supreme. He asked, how important is it to have James back and playing so good? I think all the rival fans are sort of swallowing their tongues now because they called us crazy when both Reese and Chilwell went out and we basically conceded our title hopes at that point. And they said, no, you guys, are you serious? You're really going to write off your season based on 
couple of wing backs. And I think he showed how important he is not only to, you know, our shape defensively, but moving forward with the ball, the positions he takes, the threat he poses on and off the ball now, because, you know, we know he can get his goals, but his delivery is also amazing, as we saw, you know, with his assist. It's just it's just great to have that guy occupy, occupying those spaces. Now when the ball spits out wide, I don't have to worry about it beating the first man, or I don't have to worry about a hesitation or picking out the wrong pass. He always seems to sort of make the right decision on the ball, and he feels comfortable there. I mean, that's the position that he sort of made his own. And I think, you know, this also goes for Chilwell. I think every single point I'm making about Reese, you can throw on Chilwell as well. You know, going forward, the, the delivery from crosses, the ability to score goals, the technique, hitting the ball from outside the box. We don't have any other players that do that besides our, our wing backs. So it just sort of adds a whole different dynamic to our attack. And I think that's what sort of, I mean, I, that's honestly the big difference in, in just overall the way we're playing. I think players are committing more into the box now. They trust that the ball is going to make it there. Um, you know, people are running front post, far post. It's it's just sort of opened up our entire game. And Andres, to your point about, you know, not having Jorginho and Lukaku together, I think if Lukaku is going to somehow get integrated back into the team or if he is going to get playing time, you have to have Reese out there with him. You got to have your best, you know, deliverer of the ball, for lack of a better word, on the pitch if you're going to play with a natural striker. And, you know, with Kai as well, I mean, you saw with his assists, he made a great run, and and Reese just made a brilliant read, and that's how we get an easy tap in. So I'm gonna expect to see a lot of that moving forward. I don't think it's a surprise that you know he comes back into the team and just hits the ground running. Andres, yeah, the 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 big thing for me is is the tempo, and you talked about hesitation. If we're in this match and and someone like Aspie is at right wing back or even Cho, at times when Reese was just pulling the trigger. His assist to Kai Havertz, for example, those other guys would take two, three touches, and eventually it would be too late to make that cross. Reese is sure of what he's doing, and that's what it takes to be able to get those tap-in goals. You have to get that ball in across quick, and and not just that; it's demanding the ball, getting himself into the attack. There was uh, two or three chances where. He was screaming at the center mids to play him through into the into the box. One of them led to the Kai goal. Another one led to actually this the other Kai goal where he actually ended up passing it back to Pulisic. So he's demanding the position. And as you referenced, defenses now have to worry about him. And and not just on the offensive end. He's a menace defensively too. So yeah, our our title hopes did die with our wing backs. And it's just that's where we play our best. This is our system. And and you see what happens when you even add a guy that's semi-dynamic on the opposite flank in Saul too. So the importance of Reese is huge because we know we're not getting uh, Chilwell back, but at least we're getting half of that equation back in, in Reese. And I mean, there's a reason why he he's like up there in terms of goal contributions with fullbacks, even though he missed two shots, uh, not two shots, two about two months. The guy's just incredible. And for a guy that's not traditionally a wingback and had to learn to to evolve into this position last season with Tuchel, you would think that he was a right winger turned to defender instead of a defender turned wingback. Andres, it's interesting that you mentioned Saul because, I mean, he's a player that sort of came into his own on the left wing in this game. I mean, at one point I looked at him in the second half and I was like, I can't really remember him putting a foot wrong. 
um, I think you can replicate the role that Chilwell had to a lesser efficiency or effectiveness with Saul because that's a guy that's comfortable tucking into the midfield, you know, controlling the ball, playing those short passes, but also, you know, drifting out wide and, and looking for a cross. That's something that made us really, really effective early on in the season with the three-four-three, or one of the, the one of the adaptations that Tuchel did to, did to it is he sort of inverted the wingbacks so they would tuck into the midfield and play those sort of clip diagonals over the top and, and fill in those half spaces, you know, to close in the gaps, especially on the counter press. And with Saul there, a guy that's comfortable in the midfield, I think that's only going to work to our advantage moving forward because I actually think he's coming to his own now. I mean, this is what two appearances in, in, you know, the last couple of weeks where he sort of stepped in and, and did a decent job. You know, he got his goal with his right foot, you know, a couple matches ago and then comes in here and looks last match <laughs> or last match. Yeah. And then he comes in here and, you know, starts at wing back and he really didn't. I mean, he played well. I don't even want to say he was just kind of average. I thought he played well. So I don't know what you guys think about that, but you know, we talk about the criticisms of Alonzo and the inconsistencies of him, you know, just from match to match and as P now dealing with his injury, we don't want to see Cho out there. I think this is a pretty good option, especially if Reese is back. It looks like we're going to stick to the three, four, three. So is yeah. Saul the guy you, you think? I mean, I'm a fan. I, I, I'm happy for the guy because he struggled so much to, to adapt to the league and back in the fall. And I'm a hundred percent sure he's not going to be a Chelsea player in the future. But if he can, you know, in this back end of the season, sort of rejuvenate his stock so that, you know, in the summer he can find a new home going into the World Cup, I'll be good with it. I think he he gives us that ability to to have a wing back that even tucks in like Chilwell was doing. Yeah. And and in that period in, in the fall where we had both wing backs healthy, Chilwell was drifting in and out between the middle of the pitch and the outside. So if Saul can even do two thirds of that, we're going to look much better as a team. So if that's how he needs to get integrated, I'm all for it. I, this is not me saying that we need to put, pull the trigger and, and, and go ahead and pull off the, the buyback, clause, no, uh, not the no, buyback, no. but trigger the clause. But I think he has a very important role if we're going to keep running the back three. I, I think we could get something out of him. And then also, I think he's willing to play any sort of role that he can because it's also a guy that's 26 going on 27, Spanish international, and needs to get his career back on track. So he's going to take any playing time and he's going to work his ass off if he gets the call. I mean, and that, that's what he's done so far. It's been it's been nice. Yeah, big credit to him because we played him there out of desperation mm -hmm. and really didn't expect much. To be honest, I expected it to look bad. And he performed well. I think, in my opinion, I'm with you guys. I would rather see him out there than Marcus Alonso. But we have a small sample size. I know for sure there's going to be a match where he's he's deployed out there. And it's not going to look good. And we're going to change our tone completely. So I'm going to hold off <laughs> uh, before we, we uh, you know, knight him as our next uh, left back. Or in the left wing back. Let's talk about our front three. Uh, the contributors to the, the other three goals. Uh, starting off with the wingers. Pulisic and Mason Mount. It looked like Pulisic and Mount switched sides again. With um, Pulisic on the right. Mason Mount on the left. But if you really look at the heat maps. You could see that Pulisic was on the left side a lot. 
with Kai Havertz moving to the right, Mason Mount switching between the right and the middle. So Pulisic played a really, really fluid role, it looked like. Uh, I'm not sure what Tuchel's intentions were on doing this. It seemed like this was to facilitate Mount's game. But he really, it was just another uneventful match for Mason Mount, unfortunately. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't another match like last week where he missed, or like against Liverpool where he missed wide open chances. He didn't really have those chances uh, to miss. Just really was a, was a performance to forget, to be honest. But Pulisic, on the other hand, he's looking so much better now that he's now that he's had consecutive starts at the wing. Uh, he was really a catalyst in transition all match, even more so in the second half. Uh, if you look at his numbers, Pulisic with that goal and assist uh, to Kai Havertz, a nice cross, a very nice cross, 89% pass Weak completion foot. rate. What was that? Weak foot, right? Was Weak, it with his I think left? so, yeah. yeah. He had five successful dribbles, 10 duels won. Um, we'll start off just talking about Pulisic. Andres, what did you see from Pulisic's game uh, today? And do you think that this trend of Pulisic starting and scoring is something that is going to last throughout the season? To answer the second part of your question, yes, I think Pulisic is the kind of player that needs to start games back to us. He's like a train. He starts slow, and if you keep letting, like, if you keep kind of letting him go, he's going to go faster and faster and faster, and it's going to take a lot to to kind of bring that train to a halt. I think it helps that he's finally being played in the front three versus as a wing back or as a striker. I think. Again, it's just a matter of flow of game for him. He was looking very confident. He, you know, I put in our group text that it's so nice to see Pulisic smiling. He's enjoying his game. And I think he has a very good connection and chemistry with the guys that are on the pitch right now, uh, meaning Kai, Mason Mount, uh, N'Golo Conte, and Reese James is back too. So you add him to the equation of it all. So to me, Pulisic is just very much on form he's confident and it helps when we're not gonna again the whole thing with with improving the speed of transition if you give Pulisic the chance to run at a defense that looks like it's still trying to get its shape it's game over and he led a few counters he didn't make the right choice every single time there was one where he could have played Reese James through on goal but the guy just looks alive again and I think that you with that will come also better fitness. He won't be cold and going straight into starting matches again. And and I only see the production continuing. I, I mentioned it maybe three or four podcasts ago. The level of production you get out of Polisic from a starting position versus a, off the bench is night and day. So I personally hope that that Polisic keeps keeps starting. Yeah, yeah, he I I completely agree. I think he's one of those players where, you know, if he's balling, you just got to kind of let it ride. Um, you know, until he starts blowing cold, but he is coming into his own. I think um I think so far at this point he's looked like our most threatening player on the ball just in terms of putting 
fear into the into the opponent or fear into the guy defending him, right? I talked about this when we first signed him when Chelsea fans were still relatively unfamiliar. I said he has, sort of has that triple threat where he can dribble, he can pick out a pass, and he can shoot. And if he's running at you, you're probably shitting your pants. And he's sort of creeping back into that realm of, you know, when the league started back up uh, after COVID. And he really, him and Drew pretty much carried us through the through the end of the season that year. And Chelsea fans were kind of saying in between now and then, well, where, where was this player? Where did he go? He's kind of disappeared. Granted, we haven't seen him play in his position very much. You know, he's been used as a makeshift everything, it seems. Um, you know, a couple starts playing in a more natural attacking role where he's just sort of given the license to you know, run at people and just create on his own and feel the game out and go find the ball, right? And and that's exactly what you want out of a player like this. Um, so so I'm happy for him. I mean, my American bias is definitely showing now, but, you know, in terms of just being on the ball, last year we saw Mason Mount be a big threat, you know, just in terms of creating chances and, and you know, picking out a pass. And now I think Pulisic is starting to creep, starting to creep into that zone. And the thing with Pulisic is he has the goals in him too. So, you know, he's going to rack up both of them at a high clip if he keeps playing at this level and he keeps getting the starts. Now, in terms of the first part of the question, is this our best front three? I don't think it is, guys. And it's because Ziyech isn't in it. And I'm, and it might sound a little harsh on Mason Mount, but, I mean, we haven't seen him get into any sort of form in a few months now. And I'm not down on him. I'm not being negative or anything. But, again, it just kind of goes to the point that I kept harping on since he came into the team where I don't think he is a winger or, you know, an inside forward or whatever you want to call that position. I think he's a more natural midfield player. And I think his energy could be better used somewhere else on the pitch now, especially that we have Pulisic creating. Kai Havertz is back in good form. He's scoring goals. You know, we got Hakeem Ziyech. When he comes back, you know, he's going to be confident because he has no reason not to be. It's just looking, uh, it's looking good as of right now. So, Song. Yeah, I, I, I. This is what really makes me question that, uh, because it, I'm sorry, it makes me question Mason Mount's role on this team a little bit, because if we're saying, and I agree with you, Zach, our front best front three probably includes Hakeem Ziyech on the right, and as of late. Our best front three has included Mason. I mean, sorry, Christian Pulisic on the left, and Havertz at the nine. Yeah, yeah. And then if you think about the midfield, if we're going to be playing in a three-four-three, I mean, Kovacic has been our best midfielder, I think, this season. Mm-hmm. And then, what? Are you going to replace Golo Conte with Mason Mount? I think. I think the long-term solution is to eventually phase out Jorginho and bring in Mount. And then basically replicate the Kovacic role with Mount. I mean, he could take players on the spin. He could run at the fences. He's a progressive passer. You know, he looks up and looks for the looks for the you know more risky pass as opposed to playing it sideways. So I don't know. Maybe this season it'll be tough to integrate him because we have depth in midfield right now that everyone's healthy. But Andres, maybe you can kind of add on to that. I mean, we can go back and try the four one four one again. And mm-hmm. the four-one-four-one shifts into a back three because we don't really have a left back that bombs up the field. So it still helps Reese get up the pitch. It allows Ziyech to stay wide. It allows Pulisic to play in the wing. 
It allows Kai to to play striker. And the last time Mason Mount looked like the Mason Mount we all know and love was in these eights that were side by side, him and Kovacic, and they were making these overlapping runs that were going even past the striker. And I think that you mentioned what is Mount's role. I think, again, for now with the current squad, it is still a wingback system that gets the best of us. But I truly believe that the future that includes a Mason Mount starting every week that will also include a Ziyech, a Pulisic, and a Kai is a 4-3-3 or 4-1-4-1 variant. I still think that, like we said, we have to provide for Jorginho. And so it, it is a little bit tougher to to make that switch happen today. For me, it's the 4-1-4-1 where we can maybe get everybody involved. But I just know right now that it is going to be hard to switch out of the 3-4-3 when it's working the way it has been again for the past few weeks. And with Reese James back. I mean, you right. get the best out of Reese James in a 3-4-3. Like mm-hmm. I think the four one four one was our our dream formation without Reese James or Chilwell, but now that Reese James is back at least three four three, I think that that's definitely the way to go. Um, we, uh, I was gonna say, I mean, we saw we saw good pro- production out of him in a back four under Lampard, where you know the fullbacks were allowed to go up, sort of how Liverpool and and City allow their fullbacks to go up, so. I mean, that's what his real natural position is. I, I'd like to see it given a shot, especially if we are now going from accommodating Lukaku into form to Mount, because I'd rather get Mount back in form. But again, I'm not going to be complaining if we could keep rolling with the 3-4-3. I just think that's how we can get Mount back involved, Zach. Just a thought. Now that Christensen's gone, I could actually see that happening because we're not going to want to give him as much playing time you know, once the deal becomes official. And it's only natural. I mean, you see that all the time where players announce deals with other teams and then all of a sudden they're not playing as much anymore. And I don't think Christensen's good enough to, you know, he hasn't been good enough to to outplay Thiago Silva for that starting role, especially in a back four. So I can I can actually see us moving to a back four, having Reese bomb forward on the right-hand side, having the left back more defensive. And then like you said, it does sort of shift into a more, Three four three look, um, but yeah, I mean, putting Mount in the midfield would also just max. I mean, it would it would be putting all of our creative players on the pitch at the same time. I think that's right. the most important thing, especially when Reese is back. I think the only one out of that mix that would be missing would be Chilwell, but I mean, he's a fullback still. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how Tuchel or what Tuchel's plans for him really are. Like, I, I want to see someone ask Tuchel straight up, what position is Mason Mount? Hmm. what do you think Mason Mount is and he's gonna you know he's because he's sort of been everything I mean if you ask every Chelsea fan they'll tell you something different (laughs) you could say that about every single Chelsea player yeah I was about (laughs) to say I mean what position is anyone well well, Loftus he's not a centre-back I mean RLC now (laughs) RLC now stands for right left center because he plays everywhere on the pitch every different match he's playing man that's so funny right left center that's all. That's what it means, dude. It's not Ruben Loftus Cheek anymore. Freaking midfield, center back, right wing, right wing back. A guy can do everything. Man, throw him in a striker. Maybe he'll, he'll <laughs> score a couple goals. Uh, speaking of striker, Kai Havertz. Uh, he a- appeared uh, to finally play in a non-final match 
like he does in a final match. Uh, so, it, again, just the stuff that we really, really love, it was on full display this match. Great movement inside the box. Uh, his first goal, uh, the header, um, and a tap-in from, from the Reese cutback in front of the center backs. Uh, he also could have had an assist, but Reese took a bad touch on the counter. He uh, had 40 touches in this match. was only dispossessed twice. Uh, I'll start off with with Zach on this Twitter question. This one is from the Dork Knight at Black Emoji. He said, without being reactionary, explain why Kai Havertz should lead the line going forward. Well... Before I answer this, I want to shout out Ron, uh, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Cool, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Deluxe, a.k.a. the Czar of the uh, Rep Ultras. He and actually Bone sent Daddy us a Supreme. Pic- and Bone Daddy Supreme. Can't forget all the titles. <laughs> um, he sent us a picture in our in our Discord uh, of Kai Havertz's stats when he starts as a false nine. So I'll just read it out to you, and this sort of will answer your question, Sam. Um, so, so far, uh, he has 12 wins two draws, and one loss when he starts at the false nine. The one loss coming against Liverpool in the cup final, um, where he was arguably our best player in that time. So what is that? 15 matches. We scored 33 goals and only conceded five. Now, I know he can't really speak to the defensive side, but in terms of the attacking side, I mean, I could really maybe count on one hand how many times we scored over over one goal in the last month or month and a half. And I don't know, I just, it's blatantly obvious to me. <laughs> he passes the eye test. He passes the, the statistic test. He has the right attitude on the pitch. He's, takes, he's t- starting to take up his own positions. And he's starting to really make that position his own in a way where you don't really see Tuchel getting up in arms about the way he's playing as much as he used to, right? A lot of the direction that was pointed at our forward players early on in the season was directed a lot at Kai and a lot at Timo. I mean, there's so many sound bites of Tuchel ripping into both of them early in the season. And now at this point, we're starting to see Kai just blossom into an all around, just complete false nine, meaning he drops in, he drifts out wide. He can, you know, play up top as a natural striker. He can be that shithouse striker that, you know, Andres, you mentioned it. He jumps sometimes just to fuck with the defenders for no reason. We know what he did to Sergio Ramos in the Champions League last year where he did that Henri, you know, fake uh, fake shot routine when he bent over to pick up the ball and just ticked off another 15 or 20 seconds at home. I mean, he sort of has all of it in his locker now. And I think, you know, if, you, if you're Romelu Lukaku looking at this, like, yeah, you need to get your act together. But it's different when the guy that's taking your place is actually performing at the level he's starting to perform at. And a lot of us were saying going into this season, well, where is the 70-plus million pound world-class Ballon d'Or potential player? Uh, and, and I think he's arrived. Um, it's just looked so fluid with him up there. And uh, and honestly, guys, you know, I said the only way Lukaku could get back into this team is if he scores goals. I think even if he starts scoring goals, it's going to be really hard for, for him to make that position you know, his again, because Kai's just playing out of his mind. I mean, he's finally playing like that player we've all been expecting. Yeah, I I want to add, you said, I don't know how Kai helps on the defensive side. Well, when you only get dispossessed one time a couple matches ago against Liverpool, I believe, and then this time around, he only got dispossessed 
twice. We we've talked about his movement and all that, and even Tuchel mirrored that post match. He he said, and I have the quote right here. He says, "What he gives us is huge volume. He covers a lot of meters. He covers a lot of meters in high intensity. So he finds the intensity no matter what the system, no matter what system the opponent defends against us. So again, forty five minutes. If we have this." I hate to just bring Lukaku up into this because it is a compare and contrast, right? Those are our two strikers right now. If Lukaku has a 45 minutes the way Havertz did this Sunday, where the first 45 he was silent, we would have never seen Lukaku work his way back into the game. He would have been huffing and puffing and throwing his arms up in the air and, and complaining that the ball isn't getting to him. And Kai Havertz kept doing the work. I mentioned it. Jorginho passed forward to the striker once all match, and that didn't keep Kai from still making runs and still getting involved. The movement inside the box and his goals, fading into the back post, making a run into the six, into traffic, and beating two center backs into the Reese's cross. All those things add up, and he may not, up until now, start getting the goals, but those movements create space for other people. It creates chances for other players that are making runs, and it just becomes a domino effect. It is clear and obvious that he makes this system take off offensively. Like, there is no debate anymore. Finally, someone uses clear and obvious correctly. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys see the Mares goal today? The one that they called off sides at first and then... Looked just like Lukaku's. Dude, like, no, the, like it was at the, like in stoppage time, and I think it was Lindelof, like, had a toe... That was just ahead of 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 uh, of uh, Mares, and I mean the inconsistency between that is so annoying. And the the most annoying part is they had an amazing camera angle for it to see exactly what was parallel. Where the hell was that in 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 the at Anfield? Maybe or yes, yeah. yeah. Who knows? But you talk about getting it right there. And then yesterday, Saturday, Liverpool played mm-hmm. and Mane was a shoulder offside, but his goal counted. Yes. Because of the angle yes, they had. So, so again, the inconsistencies cost us a trophy, but it also got our rivals three points in the league. So, the same again, team. the same exact team. I, I wonder, I wonder if there's an agenda. I wonder. Crazy. I, I don't want to, I don't want to believe that. It's just incompetence and unfortunate yeah. that it it's it's not at our expense. It's a matter English of the English. Man. Yeah, they think the English referees get excited when the camera's pointed at them. They really love yeah, to be the center of attention. Shine. Yeah, definitely. Um, any final points before we move on to the Norwich preview? No one. All right. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, that was probably our fastest uh, match recap that we've had in a while. But uh, forty-five minutes were were kind of out the window. So well, we got yeah, the we really, we really only had one half to talk about. Exactly. Uh, Burnley didn't really do much to to analyze here in the second half. We, we uh, kind of so just so really them. really quick before we move on. Um, Burnley are going down, right, guys? Finally, is it a, is it is it the year? I don't want to see it happen, man. I love Ginger Mourinho. I just a part of me wants a part of me likes it when new blood comes into the Premier League but I also do like picking up three points off of Burnley I think 
the sad thing is, is that if Burnley somehow manages to to stay up, then that means that Lampard and Everton get relegated. So yeah, that's I'm what I was gonna put... look at. Like oh, fuck Leeds, that. Yeah, Everton. Like we don't want Leeds to go down. Jesse Marsh. Rather Brentford we don't want stay up. Going down. Feel good story with Brentford staying up after seven years. I want years Newcastle to... well, to get relegated. Well, at least Brentford plays exciting football. Like Norwich, Burnley. Like they're fucking boring. They don't really add any value to the Premier League. But I want I want Newcastle to get relegated. But in their last seven matches, they have five wins, two draws. So the longer we can hold off good. Newcastle's rise, the better. Look, yeah. Newcastle. If if the season started after they bought or the new owners took over, I think they're like a point behind City. Like they're <laughs> they would be in second place. Yeah, I'm not even joking. Their form is ridiculous. Joe Linton and midfield, I guess, is what unlocks it all. I, I really don't know. Dude, ever since they did that, he's been insane. <laughs> Eddie, Howe, he... Eddie Howe's family got taken by by their owners, and he's just like, shit, I need to win every week. They really unlocked the potential of John Joe Sh- uh, Shelby. <laughs> Voldemort, baby. Yeah, one of the greatest <laughs> players of our generation. <laughs> Voldemort. Oh, man, that's um... fucked up. <laughs> All right, let's talk about Norwich uh, at Carroll Road on Thursday. They've lost their last four league matches, and uh, if you want to include the FA Cup match they lost, they're on a five-game losing streak. Their last win was January 21st uh, versus Watford. So, in a nutshell... Shout out Josh Sargent. Shout out to Josh Sargent. Uh, Became their second leading goal scorer with that brace, by the way. <laughs> Embarrassing. <laughs> crazy. Just, yeah, other than Josh Sargent, Timo Pukki is their only player who can score. Um, so, yeah, they fucking suck. <laughs> we have that written in our script. That's uh, really all we can say about them. Um, did you guys see last week against... Uh, Brentford they played when uh one of their players got pulled down by Christian Eriksen and oh, yeah. he was oh, yeah, pissed yeah. off and he got on his face and then he saw it was Christian Eriksen he's like oh no way and he gave him a hug <laughs> he's like watch your back buddy <laughs> yeah that was that was a really sweet moment but it was uh it was the kid that's on loan from United Brandon Williams Brandon yeah. Williams yeah <laughs> so that was that's probably the highlight of their season um to be honest other than the Josh Sargent brace, but yeah, let's 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 talk about this match a little bit, guys. Listen, uh, I want to destroy these guys. They're the same ones that were saying, chanting like "fuck Billy Gilmore" or something like that. Yeah. So they want to go back. I am to Chelsea. all for destroying. Yeah, whatever they were saying. Regardless, that's how I took it. They could have said anything, but that's what how I took it. I, I felt attacked. All right, it's time for my new parlay. All right, I'm here's ready. how it's gonna go. I'm gonna start with a huge hot take. Kovacic will score. <sighs> yeah, it was a big money one. Kovacic will score. I think once again we'll break seventy percent possession. I'm gonna add that. Chalaba will start over Christensen again. And the last thing is 
that Saul will get himself an assist this match. Okay, I'll, so, I'm gonna I'm gonna count as a three team parlay and not count the the, the Chalaba one because okay okay I don't so know Kovic if just take that. <laughs> All right, so we'll go Kovacic goal, Saul assist, and 70%. again over seventy percent. Yeah, over seventy percent possession once again. I mean, look, we got four against Burnley. I know one of them was really lucky uh, with the Pulisic goal, um, but I think you earn your luck. And I think that's going to happen a lot more between now and the end of the season, especially after alluding to, you know, my points I made about Kai and Pulisic, um, you know, hitting their form. I think both of them are going to start. I think both of them are going to impact the game. And I think uh, I'm going to take I'm going to say three. No, I think we walk away three. No, we probably start with a three, four, three. And uh, Andres gets at least two of his three parlays, right? I mean, a 70% possession is a given. <laughs> I don't see them dominating the they, midfield. I mean, they had more possession more. than Brentford. Yeah, yeah, but at the same time, Brentford is like a fast-paced team. They're very direct. They don't really possess and move players around. They really just try to hit teams and brutalize them on the counter with their two forwards. Yeah, so that's fair. I, I, I think I think we'll I think we'll dominate the game three 0 comfy comfy win. I think Jorginho does play in this game again, though. By the way, um, I'm on I'm on Team Andreas. I'm going th- I'm going three for three on his mm. parlay. But I also am on Team Zach with your prediction, 3-0 win. So 6-0. I mean, we we, we, we stuck no. seven on him last time. I mean, if this is the game if this is the game for Mount to, to get back on his on his horse and, and stat pad again, I'll take it. Yeah. I want to send these guys straight, not just to the championship. I want to send them straight to League One. Cool. Damn, double relegation, huh? Yeah, that's how bad. I want to destroy their egos. Man, Andres has something against Canaries. Are you allergic? <laughs> no. <they laughs> I don't fuck with Canaries either. Way too early in the morning. Uh, I don't fuck yeah. with Canaries either. Well, from Looney Tunes was just rude to Sylvester the Cat, dude. Right? That was a Canary. Huh? Tweety Bird? Oh, my God. Big ass head. No, Tweety, Tweety Bird was also a liability in, sp- in the first Space Jam. Like, I don't know why <laughs> they picked him to the bench. <laughs> You're gonna get any value out of him as a bench player. Anyways, he's there for moral support, Zach. Come on. God damn. Fuck Tweety Bird. Uh. Anyways, that is uh that's gonna be the end of this episode. I thank God we're stopping it there because Lord knows where else we're gonna take it. Um, if you're not following us on Twitter already, make sure you are at Roman's Empire Pod. I know we didn't really mention anything about you know the whole Abramovich selling the club, but um, keep in mind. We are your space to uh, to sort of uh, moderate that discussion and give you guys the news as it's breaking. Andres, you're making faces at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Low-key, we forgot to mention one question regarding the fans that chanted Abramovich's name. And oh, fuck that. Yeah, while, while we was love our, our old owner, like, you don't do it during the minute of silence for the Ukraine. And I understand that it was a minority of the fans and that – the majority of the Chelsea fans that were there were kind of trying to stop it too. So I, I'm glad at least the majority of the people understand there's a time and place to do so. And it's not during the moment of silence where, where people are trying to, you know, show solidarity for, for Ukraine. Yeah. It was just very, very poor timing by a bunch of uh, drunk idiots, drunk idiots. Yeah. 
anyways, um, in terms of Roman, we are your your uh, your one stop shop in terms of getting up to speed and up to date with all the latest news regarding Roman Abramovich and him, you know, announcing that he sold the club. So keep and, that in uh, mind. Conor McGregor's uh, attempt to buy the club, which is definitely yeah, going to happen. Connor needs a couple billion. He needs a couple extra zeros before he can he can start talking. Um, anyways, until next week, keep the blue flag flying high.